Greetings, folks, and welcome to my rebooted podcast, An Eclectic Humanist. For a long time, I had not intended on doing this again, simply because I was finding in the old version, the demands of teaching online weren't leaving me sufficient time to produce the kind of content I wanted to produce. And by the time online teaching ended, so had my momentum. But a lot's happened in the last year or so, and increasingly I've been thinking that even if just for my own benefit, I might need to think through some things, and sometimes thinking into a microphone is more effective than thinking into my head. So as I start this project up again, under a slightly different title, I think I'd like to treat this as a new beginning. And as this is a new beginning, I should probably lay out some notion of what exactly it is I think I'm doing and how exactly I think I might go about it. And I guess as well, maybe a word or two about why it might even be worthwhile. One obvious question that needs to be answered is, why do a podcast on humanism at all? The internet, after all, is full of explicitly secular voices addressing political, social, religious, historical, mythological, and literary questions. So one might naturally ask, do we really need another one? And no, we don't. But I don't think this is a conversation that can ever have too many voices. And if I can be one small, constructive, compassionate voice in someone's ear, that is, as far as I'm concerned, a good use of my time. Whether it's a good use of yours remains to be seen, and I do hope you'll stick around long enough to find out. As to the first question, why do a podcast on humanism, that answer this week is obvious. Humanism is in danger, has been for a long time in North American society, particularly American society. But with the overturning of Roe v. Wade on the 24th of June, by six Supreme Court justices with conservative Christian commitments, it is obvious that the separation of church and state no longer exists in the U.S. It's obvious for reasons that I'll get into in subsequent episodes that the impulse toward theocracy, which has been building for several decades in American politics, is coming close to being effectively instituted in American society. And theocracy, religious authority of any kind, is always antithetical to humanism and to human flourishing. Where religious authority increases, human well-being is always in danger. And the religious right at the moment, especially in American society, but not exclusively in American society, is bent on taking away basic liberties, basic protections, and effectively basic human dignity from large swaths of the population. Anyone who is not white, heterosexual, Christian male is in genuine danger right now. And decent people need to stand up to that danger or it will overwhelm them. Speaking where possible and acting where necessary are both parts of that resistance. And I do not use the word resistance lightly. But as long as we're on the topic of words, I should probably define a couple of words. What do I mean by eclectic? What do I mean by humanist? Let's start with humanist. Humanism, for my purposes here, has both an epistemological and an ethical dimension. What I mean is that it's concerned with both what and how we know and can know and with how we interact with each other. Epistemologically, it's simply this. Human mechanisms of knowing, observation, reason, are sufficient to give us a working knowledge of the world in which we live. 
we do not need to rely, in fact, should never rely on any kind of revealed truth or claims of revealed truth, if I can speak more accurately. These are always without warrant. We know, in other words, by observation, by inference, by experiment, but never by revealed word. And I'd go so far as to say that anyone attempting to base a truth claim on revealed word, inspiration, or what some religious book says has nothing worthwhile to say on the subject in question. And this brings us around to the ethical element or the ethical dimension of humanism, as I'm using the term. And this is simply that human well-being or human flourishing is a sufficient grounding for ethics, for morals, for politics, for social relations. And that, as with the epistemological question, there is no need for an appeal to something outside of the human sphere, or even more broadly outside the sphere of the experience of sentient creatures or sentient beings, that is required or even in any way constructive. That is, put this all together... Humans themselves have their own innate worth. That worth does not descend or arise from anything outside of ourselves and the context in which we find ourselves. No supernatural or transcendent justification for either a truth claim or a moral claim is required or ought ever be sought. And human interests and concerns do not require for their legitimacy appeal to anything outside of us and the world in which we live. In fact, I'd suggest that the moment we do make such an appeal, we undervalue ourselves, we devalue ourselves. As, for example, people with uteruses have been legally devalued in the United States as of Friday. But okay, that's humanism roughly. What do I mean by eclectic? Well, here, I guess, is where I tell you a little bit about myself. And as this is the first episode, this may not be a bad idea anyway. I work in post-secondary education and have done in one form or another for the last 30 years. I'm currently teaching at a couple of different universities. And the programs I work in range from English through great books and human rights to a leadership studies program. While my formal education culminated with a dissertation on ancient and medieval epic, my Reading and teaching has ranged through many different cultures, Western and non-Western, ancient, medieval, and modern. And I guess this is where the eclectic part of eclectic humanist comes in. I spend a lot of time looking into different worldviews. And I find, as I do so, that many of these worldviews come to influence the way I actually think and interpret my experience on a day-to-day basis. And I think, or at least hope, that having this wide-ranging approach to interpreting our experience in the world might actually be able to offer something that the very, very narrow approach that we're seeing coming to power now, particularly in the U.S., doesn't and can't offer. One thing I often tell my students, whether we're talking about languages or worldviews, is that if you only know one language, you don't even know one language. And if you're only familiar with one worldview, you don't even know that worldview. And in either case, the reason's the same. You can't see their edges. 
If you only know one language, your experience of thought is such that anything you want to say, you can say in that language, and it's not until you know another language or two or three that you realize that your native language has limitations. There are things that you actually can't say in it or can't say as well as you might say in some other language. Same with worldviews. If you spend your entire life with just a single worldview dominating your thoughts, it might seem to you that that worldview can account for all of your experience in the world and every potential experience in the world. And it's only when you step outside of those limits into another worldview and then look back from outside that you can actually understand the limitations of where you were to begin with. And only then do you actually know that worldview, I think. So if you only know one, you don't even know one. This at least has been my experience as I've explored various Western philosophies and religions, the philosophical and religious systems of India and China, and increasingly in the last few years, some fascinating material from North American First Nations and from African Indigenous thought. And what I hope is that in this podcast, as in much of what I do for a living, we can just invite these worldviews to play nicely together and see how they might inform approaches to interesting, complex, and challenging contemporary questions. That's one of the things that I want to do with this podcast, I think. In fact, some version of that is something I'm increasingly seeing as a, as a social obligation, particularly, as I said, as the impulse toward Christian nationalism in the U.S. becomes more staunchly instituted in their mechanisms of government. That impulse needs always to be opposed, and certainly other forms of Western thought offer mechanisms for opposing it, but we also might benefit from looking elsewhere in the world. It's a big world, and as the politically ascendant religious right tries to make it smaller, exploring its bigness and its variety becomes, I think, a political gesture, and maybe even an important one. And on that notion of politics, I think I'd like to turn to one final rationale for what I have in mind here. And that is, of course, I'm not just a teacher and uh, an avid reader. I'm a father. I'm a father of a daughter. And maybe this is actually my most important reason for dusting off my microphone. I'm worried for the world that my daughter will inherit. She's a teenager. Fortunately, we live in Canada, so we are not subject to the what I now consider to be the theocracy in the U.S., but there are voices and groups within Canada who look very kindly on the overturning of Roe v. Wade and who would like to see something similar happen here. That is, there are forces in my own country that would strip the personhood from my daughter and effectively reduce her to a state of reproductive slavery, or if you prefer, to the state of being little better than a livestock. I can't allow that. I must do everything I can to oppose it. And while I am a very unimportant person with no reach whatsoever, and I don't matter, ideas matter. And I want to talk about ideas here. I would like to share them with you. In short, I would like to explore the messy bigness of the world of ideas in the face of and in opposition to those who would force all of us into the travesty of a world defined by the narrowest possible interpretations of a single worldview. And for now, I think that's all I really need to say by way of introduction. I'm not going to jump into any content in this episode. This is just getting to know each other, I suppose. 
Next episode, I think I'd like to get into some current events, as I suppose you'd expect listening to my rationale for starting this project up again. But beyond that, I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. Sometimes we will be talking about the world in which we live right now. Sometimes we'll be talking about worlds long ago and far away. And maybe sometimes we'll venture into worlds that we haven't seen yet, but might. For now, though, I think I'd like to sign off. If you've made it this far, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, be kind to each other.